Welcome to Parking Lot Drunk with Sean Burke and Christian Senrud. Well, hell, welcome back to another episode of Parking Lot Drunk. I am Christian Senrud, and we have with us, as always, our friend. Sean Burke. How's it going, guys? Yeah, I hope it's uh, going well out there in the eternal flames of damnation that are currently engulfing the world. Uh, we're back. Uh, how was your week, Sean? You have solitude. Oh. Uh- it's uh, it's part of the course. A few ups, a few downs. It's uh, it's about the same as it as it always is. How about yourself? It was good. Uh, pretty good week. I went out on Friday night to the beautiful bubble of Huntington Beach, where everything's protected, so there's no need to publicly distance or uh, wear masks or anything. So that was nice. I cool. uh, so it's, it's the wastelands of. Uh, <clears throat> A Thunderdome. Yeah, the wastelands. If it was just like a beachside sub suburb, so it's it's like yeah. Mad Max with a Walmart and uh, just everyone drives lifted trucks and listens to re- white reggae. Pretty much a utopia. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. Um, we we went down there because uh, Josh Adam Myers was having a co- uh, comedy show at this place. that's like ba- it's on the beach. Basically, there's like a you know a, a bike path and then it's just sand and uh the rumor was bill burr was supposed to show and it was a free show so we were like yeah so we we cruised down just on the you know maybe he shows up maybe not like i think that just stage time's so hard to come by right now that people are a little uh desperate which is why i think josh adam myers who's the another it's like bill burr's buddy who's also just really rad dude seemingly he uh he'll he like will perform pretty he just likes to perform and he's always trying to work on his shit so he was amazing (laughs) he came out and just shit on the entire crowd just for 45 minutes and like just because they're like the venue had no protocols in place whatsoever like everybody's just stacked on top of each other sitting and walking wherever no one caring about wearing a mask protecting other people and uh jesus yeah, it, and he just came out guns blazing. It was so sick. Like I, I'd seen him and I've liked him before, but that that was one of those times when you're like, this might, this was one that was like Bill Burr in Philadelphia level almost, just like up there. Oh yeah, just like <clears throat> when battle battle lines are uh, drawn, and it's like it's me against you. Yeah, but he he didn't. It was like really interesting because he was making like he was making fun of me because I was there. You know, he's just like. We, I mean, we were on an island of a futon from our friend who had got, like got hooked up with this VIP couch thing that I didn't know it was going to happen. But like everybody, you know, we he was making fun of all of us because we were all in the mix yeah. and like, yeah, I wore my mask whenever I got up to get a beer or whatever, but um, not everybody else did. And then like our friends' friends would come up and they're not wearing masks and they try to dap you up and you're like. I want to be weird or then like, uh, you know, a friend comes up and they want on the futon too. And it's like, I didn't pay for this. It's not really mine. I'm not even supposed to be here. So I'm, I don't know. I feel weird inviting you, but I feel even weirder not inviting you on. So. Yeah. I, I've kind of ad- adopted the stance of like, you should know better. So like I, I had to go pick up my car finally after being in the shop for a month, but, uh, as I'm picking it up, I'm like in the parking lot because I didn't want to sit in the waiting room. And this probably like 50 year old dude had like a bandana on. And I'm not sure what his deal was, but I think he kept like trying to challenge people that were wearing masks. Like he would come up and stand right close to you and take his mask off mm-hmm. and just like stand there. And you're like, what is going on? Um, and then he like tried to do it to a couple people and the people are like, get away from me. And then he turns and like looks at me and I like, I was leaning against the wall and I kind of popped off like from not knowing me, you probably saw me and it was like, Oh, he's going to start something now. And so the dude just like completely did it about face and walked away. And I'm like, Oh, that worked out even better than I could have thought. But yeah, you never know when somebody's going to break out the camera and make it into a YouTube phenomenon or a 
Instagram, yeah. social media. Like, I've outed him. I got him. Let's figure out who he is and ruin his life. Yeah. I just didn't, like, it's a weird thing that you see now. Is like, people without a mask or something, it feels like they have an ulterior motive. Like, this is my chance to be the poster boy of not of being a freedom-loving, non-mask-wearing person. Like, this is a fucking strange time. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird how it's been polarized into this thing where it's not just common courtesy rather than it's like aligning with whatever political belief you hold or think you hold or it's just yeah. so fucking stupid. And like it, yeah, smarter people have addressed this uh already, but it's just I like if that you if you're the, if that's the biggest affront on your freedom is having to like basically hold the door open for someone else like you are so insecure and small-minded that it's just yeah it's not about that man it's It's, about our freedoms it's like your freedoms have been raped routinely since like the patriarch and before that so like now you want to draw a line in the sand because it's something so small and easily to con like i'm not doing it see how easy it is to not do like whereas like yeah. actually standing up yep. to real tyranny would be like oh that takes yeah like, my family caught the virus and half of them died but at least we died free like what yeah. is the end goal of this like, I'd rather oh, live yeah. free than die in chains Sean the chains of maskdom that's true well whatever we're crazy time we're just sheep we're clearly just sheep uh, slaves to our vices we're just sheep that just want to live and continue living. <laughs> Yeah, bunch of life addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if we were wiser, we would see the truth. Um, but I don't know how to transition out of that exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was just like my first real, like, being, I've been pretty locked down hard since this whole thing started. So, like, that was my, like, second or third introduction to the the world out there now. And I was like, Oh, this is terrible. What is? What are these people doing? Get away from me. Yeah, it, and you never know. Like, even myself, I, I, I'll walk Echo around the neighborhood, and I always feel like it's, um, you know, I'm out in the open. I can see people coming, and if I see people coming and I don't have a mask because I just forgot my bandana or whatever behind, I'll get in the street and give them space and or try to. And but I'm not trying to make some political statement. It's just like I'm walking around the neighborhood. I forgot my gear, you know. But yeah, you don't know what kind of signal that's sending. It's sort of like driving a truck in Orange County. It's like you don't know exactly what kind of person that is. You have your assumptions based on how many flag decals they may have or how giant of a flag they have, you know, flapping behind their their truck bed. But uh. You don't know exactly for sure until you have a conversation, but you often don't get to have yeah. that because you're too busy shouting at each other, which is, you know. Like, I, I I felt like I was on edge and, like, kind of standoffish with just that little piece. I can't imagine people that are, like, working with the public and have to deal with that, like, every minute of every workday. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, man. Everybody's got masks on. Why, why do you have to be a child? About yeah, this? it's been months. Like, if you want to shop here, yeah. just throw on the gear. It's like, same shit as no shirt, no shoes, shoes, no service. Just, yeah. It's just a mask. And I don't know. Like, again, we're just sheep. We're just playing along, sucking the government's teats. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, man. What do you want to What do you want to chat up about today? I saw Bar Rescue. Basically, it's like Guy Fieri and uh, the dude that does John Taffer. I feel like they have their yeah. own. They basically have their own channels at this point. They're on so fucking much and in just like giant blocks. John Taffer looks more and more like a trout every single day. <laughs> yeah, he's he, a cartoon fish. He kind of looks like the the Simpsons drawing of Gerald Ford if it was like put on a piece of silly putty and just like mushed around. Yeah. Like I was saying before, like it takes me a, a good 10 to 15 minutes before I realize I hate the show every single time I watch it. And it's always like cuz he just make he picks pick and chooses like the smallest things to make a deal about. He's like there's no napkins in here. Are you a man? And I'm like, <laughs> completely out of nowhere. I love the, are you a man? 
Yeah. As a trout, he is you, probably have a very vested interest in finding out if somebody is or in fact not a man. Yeah. It's, I don't. Uh, but it's good. It's good trash television. Like when you're like, all right, I've got 45 minutes and I hate myself. Okay, what do we got here? This is it. Yeah, it's just so tense that it's like it's like Curb without the the jokes because it's just this fucking blob of a man going in and yelling at people that are probably making minimum wage or less. I guess bartenders make good money. And I, yeah. servers make good money too sometimes, depending. But if the bar's failing, then maybe not. And it's always weird being like out here. Uh, there's a few of those. There's a, like, I think one bar in Studio City that I went to that they redid or whatever, but it has since just gone right back to what they did. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't know what he's really like the market of the audience. He just goes to like dive neighborhood dive bars. And he's like, all right, we need to make this a mixology bar. You're yeah. Like, Why? <laughs> and then the bar closes two weeks later. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't understand the, your target market or the people around or who was keeping the lights on. And now uh, you outclassed, you, you, uh, you drove them out, you fucking idiot. Yeah. You're just trying to shoehorn like weird gin and tonic bars into a uh, clear beer drinking crowd. It never works, but it, it makes good TV. Wow. I'm looking him up a little bit. Uh, you know what city he hails from? Uh, isn't it like Long Island or something? It's called Great Neck, New York. Great yeah, Neck. Dark. That man with the drooping layer of necks is <laughs> called... <laughs> hails from that's Great his, Neck. That is his cross to bear. He, that's his burden that he's trying to get to that to live up to Great Neck. With his terrible fishy gills. Do you New York has like an insane amount of like crazy named cities? Like ho- they have a horse's head. Uh, like Synecdoche's weird for different reasons, but I f- like feel like if you just looked through a map of New York, you would just come across weird and like and uh, Sleepy Hollow's in New York too, right? So they probably have all have like weird folk folklore attached too. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, Michigan's got a lot of weird ones, like Kalamazoo and Bad Axe and Hell, like, <laughs> all these weird Hell, Michigan. Where, great. Where, where on the mitten is that? Uh, I feel like it's, uh, like, middle of the state. I could be wrong. I've just been, like, through it where it's, like, they really lean into that, hey, here's a city called Hell. Come check it out. <laughs> like, that's their thing. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of those weird named cities all across the country where you're like, why the hell would you name the place? Like, uh, what's the one Buffalo Fall or whatever in Canada? I don't know that one. I know. It's uh, like up by, it's up by like uh, Gla- uh, Glacier where like, it's like where they used to run buffalo off a cliff when they would hunt them. Oh. And it's like smash buffalo hill or buffalo jump or something like that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We Ohio and Pennsylvania had a had a, some weird ones. Uh, I don't know what kind of geographical anomaly a lick is, but they had a lot of licks in Ohio, like and frog lick and big beaver lick and little beaver lick and i don't even think they have beavers in ohio i could i could be very wrong but i i never saw one yeah i mean i'm sure at some point when ohio was the west coast of the united <laughs> states before it was the heart of it all and it was still just a lung yeah i don't even like where did john taffer even come from cuz like, does it ever explain his, like, he's an entrepreneur, which that's way too vague. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, uh, it seems like something somebody made up to do a show. It's like, I'm uh, a world-renowned reviver of bars and restaurants. And you're like, oh, what bars and restaurants have you revived and stuff? Like, where did you get your start? And it's always like, listen, I just did it. I'm good at it. 
just trust me. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I guess I don't really have the pulse on all the, uh, the uh, bars and uh, restaurant management of the, of the country, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking up his Wikipedia right now. I guess he was, uh, he worked first worked at a, as a bartender for Barney's Beanery in West Hollywood, which I think is, uh, referenced in like a bunch of songs. And then he, uh, his first bar management job was at the Troubadour in West Hollywood, which by the way, uh, if you want to throw them some money, they're trying to stay alive by just selling merch yeah. and shit, and they're doing some uh, live concerts and stuff over Zoom and what, just live feeding, just trying to adapt. But that's uh, that's beside the point. But if you want to throw them some time or money by watching one of them, feel free. Uh, yeah, that was the weird thing about that is like, I just assume that the Troubadour is like a historic place and it's all kind of like taken care of. And then it was like during COVID, it became this thing where, like, yeah, we could be closed forever. I was like, oh shit, I didn't even know. Yeah, that would happen to like those like legendary rock venues, but I guess it's just a bar. Yeah, you got any other one? Right. Sorry, you you got to wonder. Like, excuse me, you got to wonder where the money went because. It's just like the the building. Obviously, not everyone's going to be able to have the opportunity to buy the building that they're in. And you're if you're become known for being in a certain spot, uh, you're just kind of subject to the winds of the landlord. But at the same time, it's like the Troubadour is a landmark. San Francisco, I forget what the venue is that was having trouble up there. Like Dave Chappelle, I think put on some uh, fundraisers for that. But it's just like there's so many. Like Amoeba had to move. I think that was even pre-COVID, but it's just like, yeah. And granted, most of the places aren't like they're special for the because what they did and who they who came through. Not necessarily the venue itself. Sometimes it's like the physical location, but for the most part, it's just the history. Which, you know, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, at what point do you have enough saved up? to like survive something like a shutdown of some sort and granted no one i guess that's an unfair question because no one was like hey there there might come a time when you're not going to be able to make money for an entire year so why don't you save up an entire year worth of rent and salaries for your employees and you know dot 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 yeah it's just kind of like when you assume that it's it's like this historic place, but at the end of the day, it's just another bar or restaurant that is like on razor thin margins. <laughs> that they're like, oh yeah, you guys uh, didn't sell fifteen hamburgers this week, so uh, you have to lay somebody off, type of thing. But yeah, or they're getting milked by the government or unknown entities from behind the scenes. So yeah, who knows the unseen costs attached? Uh, but back to our boy John Taffer. In 89, he patented an apparatus and method for selecting and playing music. I don't know if Really? He, apparently. He invented the jukebox? Uh, he, pro- I, he probably invented <laughs> some sort of, uh, like, I don't know. Let's, let's hit the, it just says the sources. It's an interview for Mobile Beat Magazine. It's probably one of those things that, like, he probably invented the button that if you pay a dollar extra, you can jump five songs to the front or something. Yeah. That he, seems like a John Tafford move. Yeah, he he invented the shuffle button. Yeah. Oh, that weird city name was Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump. <laughs> That's the full title, Head Smashed In? Yeah. In the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in uh, Fort McLeod, Alberta. Well, I, I mean, I'd buy a shirt from there. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds like a band name already. So, yeah, early two thousands hardcore band for sure. I could see that on yeah. a t shirt. Um, yeah. Well, Taffer is also credited with creating the NFL. NFL Sunday Ticket Pay Programming Package, which was launched in 1994. 
and was instrumental in the marketing, distribution, and sale program of that endeavor, which he served on the board of NFL Enterprises for three years. So he's not as uh, unqualified for this position as I would just assume from an angry large man coming in and yelling at people. Yeah, he never really touches on any of the, those things in the in the show. He just acts as he acts as a expert on screaming at people of how much money they're wasting. Yeah, it's probably has to. I mean, maybe he's a, just a dick in general. I don't I don't know the guy, but it it's probably has to do with like that Gordon Ramsay formula where it's just all right, go yeah. in, yell at people for being stupid, be loud. It's like it's like bar rescue is kind of like a Hell's Kitchen meets exhibit. What was the what was exhibit show? It's like Pimp My Ride. Oh yeah. It's like Pimp My Bar, but also yell at me the entire time. So instead of a jolly rap artisan, we have John Taffer just coming in and pretending not to know anybody in there, and then. Rev- that's that's probably why there's so many inconsistencies of him screaming. It's like he comes in, and people are generally like happy to see him to help them. And they're like, um, just yell at them because they don't have enough coasters out or something. Because we need some kind of drama here. Yeah, I like I've been watching Master Chef this this season, and like, and I've Ooh. I've been watching or. I'll look up like uh, the YouTube videos, how to cook stuff. And Gordon Ramsay actually seems like really nice and pretty like charming as long as you're not fucking up in the, in his kitchens. But like, yeah, I don't know that John Taffer outside of yelling at people in a bar has that kind of charisma or just finesse. Cause he just, there's nothing like charismatic about the fucking guy. Yeah. Other than him, <laughs> that one point where he asked a stupid question, and he just stares at the person with the with his head cut <laughs> without uh, without blinking, and he's just like, "Rope." <laughs> yeah, he just pulls the staring bullfrog face, the hypno yeah, toad. That's his that's his calling card. Well, he's he's prolific. I'll give him that. He invented the Bar HQ and all inclusive bar and nightclub management app. Uh, he, man, he's a well, hustler. Yeah. He's a Russian Jew, and he's been married for okay. 20 years, so obviously somebody can tolerate him. Wow. I'm learning a lot more about him than I ever thought I thought I would. Seems like I don't really have that much of a problem with him after hearing all these prolific things. I just thought he was kind of like a figurehead for it. But Yeah, same. I just like, thought they pulled somebody who they heard yelling, and you're like, you're perfect. Yeah. He's like a grip on the Rachel Ray show, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, you <laughs> scream at people good. You know anything about bars? Here you go. We uh, we had a thing at work where we go to this uh, uh, happy hour spot uh, back when we were in the office, and went in there one day, and it was like 5.30 or whatever, and we were the only ones in the bar except for a film crew and another guy. Uh, and he's like, apparently he was filming the um, the pilot to a show where they would just go around like these kind of weird quasi-historic bars that have been there forever, like whatever, have a kind of cult following. And then they'd just film and stuff like that. And he, the host of it, would be like, all right, we just want to get some shots. And like, we're literally the only table in the bar with anyone at it. And they're like, all right, yeah, we're going to go here. You sit here. And the guy, like, sits right next to our table to make it look like the bar is full. And then the guy's <laughs> like, all right, can you guys just make sure you're quiet talking? And we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> He's like, all right, just, just talk normally and then just be quiet. We're like, okay, this is going to be weird. So if that show ever airs, you're just going to see all of me and my work friends sitting at a table awkwardly staring at each other while we're trying to be quiet. It's a very uncomfortable situation, but uh, I guess those are the breaks in Hollywood when you're trying to drink. I guess so. I feel like they'd have to pay you for that. Like, if it was a bar that was actually full, then they could just say, hey, we're, we're filming, but because it's only five or six, you have wondered how they get around that yeah. one. We were all talking. We're like, we didn't sign anything. <laughs> we're like, if you use my likeness, I'm going to sue your ass. I'm going to wait until this gets picked up. Yeah, you better not. I'll sue your ass. 
<laughs> Very litigious. Well, I was looking up bars near here, and uh, the first Long Beach bar that got bar rescued, uh, I never went there, but it used to be one of the most notoriously terrible open mics in Long Beach. Uh, and it was just like this dark, dank hole <clears throat> that apparently got bar rescued, uh, but it is now closed. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing is, I, w- I was always like, oh, he's really bad at rescuing these bars, but then I started to think about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because these bars were failing already. And it's like, a new coat of paint's not going to save that. <laughs> if the bar's already like $200,000 in debt. Like, yeah, this is just poor management. Yeah, I mean, if it's already poorly managed it's and it's from the people that own it, like you're probably not going to get them to flip around. And then on on top of yeah. it, I assume that, I mean, I've only, I've done years and years and years of uh, street research and checking this out, but it seems like a bar's success is largely due to location. And if it's in a shitty location where there's no parking or no foot traffic, trying to make that business that's already failing turn around seems somewhat unlikely. Yeah, it's, it's not I mean, like unless it's like a niche bar or you know a destination bar of some sort. What what's going to change? Where like maybe that's his his goal with like you're a mixologist bar now. It's like all right, well yeah, we're dealing that's with the North Shoreman, so I don't I don't know that they're all going to like throw their lunch pails down and come in here and really want a fucking eighteen dollar old fashioned, but maybe yeah, it's like you think about the bars like in the Midwest and kind of East coast that are, this is the bar. Like, yeah, we have, uh, like a jukebox and pool tables, but that's about it in terms of scene that we get. And out here it's like, like good time at Davy Wayne's and stuff like that. Where it's a complete, it's like a Disney ride, but you get to drink at it. It's, it's a huge culture shock. It's like, I just want to find a place that's quiet and that I can drink this cheap beer at. And it's kind of hard to find, especially in LA, but yeah, that like you can definitely tell when people find it's like gold room or something where it's like, well, I found my, my dark dank hole for me and that's going to be my spot. But I think it's also just like the mindset of like when I go home and see my friends in Pittsburgh, it's there's, I mean, it's a good vibe, but it's, there's also a little bit of like a, well, I'm going to be doing this forever, so I might as well pick a cheap one where my friends hang out, and this is where I'm going to drink myself blind for the next uh, yeah. 20 years. Where it's like, it almost feels like you're trapped in a way. Whereas, like, here it's like, ah, oh, I'm getting out. I'm going to see people. Like, it's probably sunny yeah. out or still nice. I might have like a light sweater. So, I mean, I'm not here just to, I'm not here to escape the sun. I'm just here for a good time. Yeah, that's true. There's definitely more like touristy drinking here where in those and like back home and East Coast and Midwest, it's more of a, a shift bunch of like, well, it's Friday. I've been going to this bar since I was 21. So I guess I'll go to that bar. Yeah. Cause uh, I guess otherwise you'd be going to like a club and dancing and, you know, getting real chachi looking and bathing in perfume and cologne. Yeah. Now, Club Rescue, that could be entertaining. <laughs> you have 30 counts watch. of sexual harassment from your bar staff alone. Yeah. You are uh, just see John Tappert screaming at people over hookah smoke and uh, bass music. Yeah, just trying to out-bass the bass, just screaming over the music. Yeah. I do enjoy it whenever he goes into the kitchen because having to, like, it it is kind of a perfect formula for like uh, or a perfect storm of the crowds of kind of reality TV shows. Cause it's got all the yelling that you could ever want, but then it's, it's yeah. also like kitchen rescue, bar rescue, top chef. Cause they bring in, a, uh, often bring in a, a new it, chef. It's always, it's always undercooked chicken. That is the main thing that where they're like, how can we cause like, kind of like weird uh drama in the kitchen it's like 
oh, just make sure that they don't cook the chicken wings all the way. And then that sets off everything. And then they go in there and they're like, this chicken wasn't cooked. <laughs> they're screaming at each other. I'm like, it's always over undercooked chicken. That's the main thing. <laughs> it's probably written into the writer. Like, we're going to need a scene with undercooked chicken. Uh, I yeah. want I want a punching bag machine, whether you have it already or not. We're going to need to get rid of it. <laughs> going to need a, a bar manager or a owner with big ego who doesn't do anything, but likes to and get shit-faced with the bar. everybody there. And then mix it in with some shot of, like, an overflowing drain or something. Yeah, I do like them when they go through the kitchens and just see how dirty they are or find the one tub in yeah. the back that no one's touched for months and months and it's just mold or black or... Because <clears throat> I feel like you go to any... I mean, you, you, you could go to a, a person's refrigerator and probably find something that's, like, of equal horror. Yeah. I've got barbecue sauce from the Obama administration, so I'm not I'm not in any place to judge that. No, I feel you. I, I feel like that's a suggested date anyway. Like, I don't think they're just covering their ass. Yeah. And it's also like uh, a lot of those places that they go into, uh, it's just some, like, dude kind of half, like, that's his part-time job. It's not like he's he went to school to be a chef, and he got there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just trying to put my kids through college, man. I'm. They just tell me to fucking warm up these, uh, like whatever these uh, hot wings, and then I push them out. I, I'm not here because I went to fucking French culinary school for this. Listen, I'm not working here because things worked out. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this is not somebody who is thriving in their personal life. A series of poor managed endeavors have led me to this line of work, and I'm just trying to make the best of it. Now i got a fucking camera in my face, so uh, yeah, I'm out. Just to let you know, I was the door guy three weeks ago, so uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they asked me if I wanted a promotion, and uh, I got a white apron, and here we go. Yeah, and it's also like a thing, working in kind of subpar kitchens for like pizza places and stuff growing up that all seems pretty normal to me where they're like oh this is so gross and I'm like yeah that's what like the underside of a refrigerator cabinet looks like yeah absolutely like i just worked at chain restaurants and <clears throat> like we cleaned every every you know every night but also like the coolers and stuff get cleaned out on the inside and you know you do your best to switch out tubs and everything but you dig around the the cooler the walk-in or just in the in the dishwashing area like i remember like every fucking restaurant's got rats for sure and roaches yeah that's like that hannibal joke oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah man every restaurant here has rats like if you're in a place with rats every place is gonna have it yeah for sure also if you're in a a city as old as New Orleans that sweats the walls sweat routinely. Yeah. Like rats should be the least of your worries. I'm sure like every you're on a rock you're in a rock building sitting in a swamp. Of course it's gonna have issues. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not lined with algae and black mold. Yeah. Does he ever do any bar rescues in in New Orleans? Uh I saw one that was like uh the dude like stole the idea for like a, a fancy cup thing and then he wouldn't change the uh the slushy mix. So, like <laughs> there's been alcoholic drinks that were in the whatever the spinning tub for like months and it's just rotten sugar. <laughs> Yo, it's not mole, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not gonna get better the longer it stays in there. Yeah. It completely turns to poison as soon as it hits the oxygen of the air. But yeah. as long as it's in that thing, it's fine. And those aren't very good to begin with. So the, the fact that it's bad, you know how how yeah. bad. I mean, to be honest, though, no one's going to New Orleans to kind of find a good tasting drink. No one's there <laughs> going, uh, I'm sorry, this isn't your best Cabernet Sauvignon. So uh, I'm going to pass. It's like, what is this? Oh, it's uh it's jet fuel? All right, cool. Just drink this. 
Well, I'm going to be taking this to go anyway, so I'm not even going to remember where it came from. So really, the quality control is uh, not yeah. It's not that important. This impending lawsuit doesn't have very uh, wobbly legs to stand. You know what, Sean? I think when all this is over, when COVID, when we solve COVID, when we figure out the right alcoholic combination that uh, makes everyone immune, well, we're going to have to take a trip down to, to New Orleans for a mobile episode. I, I, yes, I would be down. <laughs> Only once it's random, safe, though. Random vomit uh, strangers around us. I've never had a. I never got to go drink in New Orleans. I went there as a kid, and my parents were not trying to let me drink at fourteen. Not that I was really trying to, but I mean, I, uh, I owe it to myself. There's a lot that New Orleans has that. I can see how if you're not drinking at the time, it would seem like a completely waste of time to go there. Because you're like, this is the main thing that people do here. But Yeah, I mean, I remember going to Bourbon Street, and it's like, I don't know, I've been to, like, New Orleans and Italy are two places I've been where I'm like, I don't think I really got the whole the thing. Because I went to New Orleans when I was, like, 14. I don't even know remember why we went. And then I went to Italy at 21 when I still didn't drink. And like I had some good food, but uh, I'd like a do-over because I no wine. Yeah. Like my, the, these streets are really small. I don't <laughs> get it. I'm moving on. What's up with all this rain and uh, cobblestones? What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the cool thing about New Orleans is like you just kind of have to lean into it. Like we went to that one strip club. I, I'm using strip club in quotations, but. Um, <laughs> That felt like you were in some weird turn-of-the-century novel where it's like your waitress is pregnant and has one leg and uh, you, you ordered a beer 45 minutes ago and you still haven't seen your waitress again. So it's just those magical times like that where you're like, you know, there's, there's a little left, uh, a little more sunshine left in the world because of this. Yeah, it's like the whorehouse from On the Road where it's just like, well, this this went to a dark place. I don't know if I feel yeah. the same. Have a favorite episode of Bar Rescue? I mean, like they're all the same. Like <laughs> that is true. Like, it's like it's like the exact same episode with different people in like different locations. That's it. But yeah, it's like drivers dining and dives. That's why they can have so. It's like or uh, American Pickers. It's all the same. It's the same. It's just the formula. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like. You don't really have a like a year of when it when they filmed it. You're like this could be 2014, this could be 2021. I don't know, but uh, the best are it's just when like the people are like they ask for help and then they portray them as like I don't want your help. They're like okay, let's just ruin this guy then. It's that weird lizard person brain of mine where I'm like, yeah, get him. <laughs> yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I I don't know. Some rest. Some the last one I saw, I I really liked because it was this couple, this married couple that owned it, and their marriage was already on the rocks, and the restaurant was kind of the the dividing point, and uh, the de- the husband just wasn't listening, wasn't receptive to any of the suggestions, didn't apparent and like. It, it was the whole episode and like John Taffer was suddenly a marriage counsel on top of everything else he's doing. And he, yeah. you know, it, there's always those episodes where they're like, it's a family business. And then he's like talking with the, the brother and sister of how to work better together. I'm like, how are you qualified for this? Well, we inherited the bar. Oh, him. Uh, John Taffer, John Taffer has, uh, clearly uh, done a lot more than I, I thought he did but yeah he's clearly more qualified than I'd give him credit for but uh I yeah. mean sorry John we we didn't know but we did a little bit of digging maybe like we turned some uh, we turned some opinions around as well yeah but I, I do like those episodes because they it, 
like the end of the episode. It, also, there was like a kid in the kitchen who's like, I want to be a chef. Like I, I, this is, I'm, this is where I get my start in the culinary world. And they like, you know, they, they brought in a, a guest chef to redo the, the menu and, he was like really trying hard, but just failing miserably, like so bad. Cause he's like 18 <laughs> and uh, just dying in there. And then, uh, you know, the episode ends and then they do the checkup and it's dude's divorced. Oh, yeah. That kid ran out like a week after because the guy just immediately <laughs> took it back to the old menu, like fired that new chef. Just, <laughs> yeah, like, those, those, those updates. Uh, statistics at the end of the episode, they really just sweep that under the rug of like, oh yeah, they uh, they went under uh, a week after this episode was uh, filmed. So I li- yeah, but I liked that one specifically because they they weren't really trying to hide the fact that they were throwing that the the husband under the bus. He's like, well, he didn't take any of our advice. He actually actively went against all of our ad- advice, and uh, now he's lost his bar, lost his wife, and fuck him. Yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah, you know what? He wouldn't listen to John. God, he is a talented guy. And I think we've made a complete 180. John Taffer for president. Just, oh, yeah. hold on. It was announced that in 2019, it was announced that John Taffer would host a spinoff Paramount Network show called Marriage Rescue, where he would work to save couples' failing relationships. So they were setting it up. They were setting off this. Yeah, it's a backdoor pilot to launch his new show goddamn renaissance man wow what a talented man the series follows 12 couples as taffer uses the gestalt therapy to help work through what the hell is gestalt therapy form a cycle (laughs) you just take salt baths together until you're too dehydrated to do anything oh it's a form of psycho psychotherapy which emphasizes personal responsibility and focuses on individuals experience in the present moment. And it's the only type of marriage counseling that you don't need to uh, be qualified to do. So it works out perfect. It's uh high, highbrow quackery. Well, fuck man, John, I, I, we had no idea. Sorry. Sorry to the, the homie from great neck that we doubted you. Yeah. That's uh, everyone go watch bar rescue and, uh, and patronize uh, John Tafford and his clearly <laughs> trout face that needs uh, to be moistened. Yeah, here I thought some producer, some exec just saw his beautiful mug and thought, that's a face that needs to be on television. Just handed it all over. But meanwhile, he's been working since the this 70s to get where he's at. And this Pearl Magnum lighting guy <laughs> uh, needs to come in and be the face of our new show because the, the real host ran out. This melted police sketch of a man needs to be on television. <laughs> this goddamn lizard person really needs to be uh, the front of the bar uh, bar system. The thing I always like is when he touts his, uh, his own training course, and he's like, at the end of the episode, he's like, hey, so listen, guys, I pulled some strings, and I got you <laughs> uh, a lifetime membership to my own training course and you're like yeah man that that costs you nothing good good job also i'm getting paid on the back end through that so you also have to sign up and pay for the registration yeah we're gonna have a direct tv kind of payment platform where we're gonna get you in for free or cheap and then you know fast forward a year and it's suddenly three times what you ever expected it doubles in price every year but you're gonna love it (laughs) yeah it's gonna be great it's basically like mafia uh interest just on the principal plus three percent per year for the next three months that your bar is open, it's it's going to be great. Yeah, until you inevitably close your doors, which is basically like this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this uh, this show is basically the last coffin nail for a dying business. So, have you? Uh, are there any bars that you'd like to see get barred rescued off the top of your head? I think Knuckleheads, just because it'd be cool to see a bunch of money thrown at it. Just because I feel like if they just came in and were like, all right, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to update everything and give you a lot more money. I would be on board with that. Yeah. Because I, I saw they're, they're, they were doing like a concert in the parking lot out back, which I thought was kind of cool. Because like, like if you just had more room, uh, that'd be a much cooler way to like 
kind of have bands and stuff there, so you're not like crowded into a bar listening to some terrible band. But yeah, I mean, I do appreciate how many people have just decided that the parking lot is now part of the bar, especially in COVID. Because I mean, it makes perfect sense because it's like, well, we have even if you can open indoors, which most people can't, you're at reduced capacity, so you don't need as much parking to begin with. So it's like, why not have outdoors and music and whatever else you could be able to do outdoors that you can't do in? Yeah. But yeah, I would like to see uh, Knuckleheads get a, but I feel like it would ruin the charm. So it's it'd be kind of like when the cha or not cha cha cha. The little little joy when they got revamped, oh yeah, and got turned into that turd of a bar rather than that golden gem, dirty little dirty little hole. Yeah, talking about little joy makes me feel like I'm 75. Yeah. Talking about the golden <laughs> age of Echo Park, <laughs> this place used to be great. There was uh, graffiti on the walls. There was holes in the walls. There was seven people in here who may have been gangsters. I don't know, but it was it was wonderful. But yeah, it's like talking about the Lower East Side during the punk era. It's like, you used to get fucking hitting with a cinder block. It was great. You could buy 10 beers for a nickel. Yeah. Like, yeah, but... And now I just see it, like, the last time I was in there, it's like, there's like a metal show going on in the closet of the little area next to the bar, and then there's like a DJ, and then there's like a pool tournament, and I'm like, I get you guys are trying to get people in here, but it's packed, so maybe dial back on one of the things that you're doing tonight but yeah mission accomplished like just hit your mark and stay there yeah but. yeah the i mean if knuckleheads could just get like i don't know cuz like they just have that broken concrete for a ground which i it's just adds to the charm really yeah i mean like there's nothing really in there that needs to be changed like even the bricks like water skiing stuff on the on the wall needs to stay because it's it's so random yeah (laughs) this is great that might be the first one that john taffer goes in there he just bros down with brick then just the episode ends with them going water skiing together and just like new best friends and they're like we didn't change anything you're doing great yeah brick could be the muscle for future episodes start a spinoff show god that's beautiful well i don't know is there any uh, is there any like uh pittsburgh centric bars that you would rescue or uh, change into something else? I don't know. Like, like Gooskies, I, I think, is a, basically an institution at this point. And, but I think it's doing fine, or it was pre-World uh, on Fire. It, but it, again, if you could just throw them some money and make sure, like, hey, we're not going to fix you. We're just going to send you some lockdown money. And, you know, if you want to, like, get rid of the graffiti on the wall or add some art or do whatever, like, all, all about it. Or maybe Brewskies because they're like in danger of shutting down, and that's the other like number one skate bar for the my fellow scumbags. That's the weird thing. Like I've been thinking about um, with COVID and stuff. There's got to be a lot of people just like waiting for these kind of like proven bars and restaurants to kind of go under so they can swoop them up. Which like imagine two years from now and it's all fucking cute, but as far as you can see, because all these uh, bars had to go under. That's the one thing I've been kind of paranoid about. It's like, And I hope there's no, like, it's not an issue where there's no dive bars in Los Angeles now because it's all corporate whatever bars because they all get swooped up. But there, I mean, there'll definitely be that uh, to a degree, but it's also, it's, um, you got to think like of the neighborhoods because that's the nice thing about LA is there are these all, all these small little neighborhoods where maybe LA's like you go to that down sunset in Echo Park or something and it's like maybe it's changing but it, it's not a lot of uh chains it's all these these you know independent pop-up restaurants small bars there's not a lot of like franchises that I see so yeah it might like in terms of location 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 it might not be worth the the corporations moving in because it's like either the backlash would be too much or they just wouldn't make like it wouldn't be worth it. But I also yeah, I worry about who, that. I have a buddy who uh, he like follows all these old restaurants and he's like, like oh this place was built in 1955 and like he loves all these kind of weird diners and hole in the wall places and 
he always posts about like uh, these restaurants that have been in operation for like a hundred years have all closed. And I'm like, and this is a downer. <laughs> yeah. There's no like those weird uh, kind of like old Hollywood type of restaurants you can go to. Hopefully a lot of those will survive this, but yeah, here's hoping we got to put our money where our mouth is. But um, that is one thing I don't, I have friend, I have a buddy or I have a couple buddies who I've been to bars or wherever and they're like visibly upset about the decor and just the general, like I've been in shitty bars where I'm like, this fuck, place fucking sucks. It's a chachi bar. It's too hoity toity for what it is, whatever. But it's more like the attitude than the aesthetic. Well, sometimes it's the aesthetic, but it's like, I don't, it, it's just finding a bar. I don't really want to hang out at where they get like, they get they get into the bar rescue mode and where it's like I would have done this or I would do this and it's like I don't I guess I've never had the money or the opportunity or the dream to do something like that where I'm like all right we're gonna put a skee ball game in here we're gonna blah, blah, you know I didn't really get into that uh, until like living in Orange County when every single building you went into had a surfboard on the walls <laughs> and you're like why this is a New York pizza like restaurant why is there a surfboard on the wall like it makes zero sense hey man they you surf know, like, in the rockaways yeah i mean yeah i guess so you know you know that famous new york city trope of like giant slices and surfboards like <laughs> it, it's just one of those small things that bothered me like i mean went to a dentist uh and they had a surfboard i'm like why like who cares like People are coming in being like, uh, is there a surfboard? Nope. All right, moving on down the line. I'm going to find a new dentist. Well, you might forget that you're in uh, in Southern California if you're not, if there isn't a surfboard on the wall. That's true. How else would you know? I don't know. The sun is not enough. The people with uh, yeah. permatans and bleached smiles, they're not going to give it away. Well, hell, I, don't, I mean, give it up for John Taffer, I guess. I mean, give that dude the... What's that dude redo your bar if you don't care what it looks like or having clientele for the next six months? Go for it. Wouldn't it be great if there was a Queer Eye version of Bar Rescue where they just come in and like, mm-mm. It would be great if that happened simultaneously with John Taffer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's going through, like, we need this. And they're like, nope, that's not going to work. I mean, that's kind of what was happening in that, was it the pilot episode of It's Always Sunny where he comes in and he's just like, nothing scares gays and black folk like Irish crap. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he's trying to bar. He was trying to bar rescue them early on. That would be a pretty good uh, cross promotion <laughs> if Always Sunny got John Tapper to come in and. We got a crossover episode coming, and he just breaks the, or they just break him. <laughs> and by the yeah, end, yeah, they the, chain him up, chain him up in the basement. By the end of the episode, uh, Danny DeVito is trying to replace John Taffer. Damn, I think we need to run a spec script for this because that that sounds pretty great. I, I'm in. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's cash this check, Sean. <laughs> well, you got a happy hour you got to get to. You feel all right about what we've done here? Another another good day of doing yeah. the Lord's worth work? I feel like we've uh, really done a deep dive in John Tapper and really gone through his accomplishments uh, to find his film, so... Clearly, we did a lot of research. We've uh, we've touched on all the bullet points. We've un- we've ab- examined his character on a spiritual level. Yeah, yeah, so. I, f- I feel good about it as well. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, definitely. Well, enjoy your happy hour, and until next time, we've been parking lot drunk. Bye bye. Are you a man? Are you a man? Cheers.